Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. From NBI Studios, this is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rock. Ahoy, friends. Thank you for tuning in to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up for Season 12, Episode 49, The Informant. This week, we heard Jeremy Witt's police interview, who turns out is the informant and key witness for the prosecution. Bob also broke down how Jeremy's testimony was presented at trial. Janet is back from her assignment, so after a quick break, Bob, Janet, and I are going to dive into your listener questions. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that he did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All righty. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Janet, it's uh, it's great to have you back from your assignment. I uh, hope everything went well on uh, that important mission that you were on. Yeah, it was great. Uh, I was very excited to listen to the follow-up, and uh, I, Erica, of course, was fabulous, and I was sorry to miss it, but I feel very caught up because it was great follow-up without me. Uh, yeah, it was great to have uh, Erica for that particular episode because we had the whole discussion about DNA and that's yeah. what Erica does for a living. But, of, but of course, we're glad to have you back, and even you, Zach, we're glad to have you here. I'm glad to be here, Bob. Thank you for having me back. So I used to tell Mike, you work here. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Before we get into this episode, I know, Janet, you told me last week because you were like desperately trying to find internet on the ship you were on and you couldn't, but you said that you were particularly upset that you had to miss that follow-up. So is, was there any anything you wanted to add to the conversation about Javier's testimony or do you want to just move right into this week's stuff? No, we can move into this week's stuff. Everyone covered everything that I would have brought up. So it was it was great. It was a great episode and it was a fantastic follow-up. Um, and there were things in the follow-up that I wouldn't have expected to talk about as much, like the DNA. So it was super informative and and really terrific. And this Last Sunday's episode was really interesting as well. I'm glad we finally got to Jeremy Witt. We've danced around him a bit, uh, knowing we were mm -hmm. coming to him. So I'm really glad that we got into it. What did you think about Jeremy Witt's testimony? I, I found it utterly preposterous that it would have made it 
into a trial. I, I just, for all the reasons that you said, I'm so, I was sort of dumbfounded. It was worse than I thought it would be. I'll be honest. Yeah, it, me too. Like I knew the background of it, but when I actually got through and like read and actually listened and and the bonus, by the way, the the bonus, the full interview of of Jeremy Witt's 2016 interview is now up as a bonus episode. And if you listen to that, it'll even make you even in more, more nuts. It's it's that awful. Interview goes off the rails multiple times. If you listen to it, the bonus. Yeah, I was listening to it this morning. He he doesn't get anywhere with it. The weirdest thing is it's not weird if you understand, which you know I on the surface do a little bit like like just between human behavior and linguistics and stuff like it's so obvious that the story about Christian's confession didn't happen it will drive you mad because you know he says it once and he and he puts it out and then for an hour Bodmer is trying desperately to get him to repeat it and give some details uh, and and you can see that you know, Bodmer wants so badly for that to be true that he's accepting this bullshit when when we're taught when to do when you're doing interviews and in, interrogation, like you know, have them tell it, answer open-ended questions, have them tell it, retell it, see if you can you know get them to tell it kind of backwards, you know, in different ways to so you can you can check for veracity, uh, veracity uh, or truth truthfulness. And is he's just like, okay, all right, let's go back. So so okay, you're back at the pool, and and Christian's there, and then he starts yammering on about wanting to go to the gas station and get a beer, and he will talk about anything but. Well, and there's there's the part where he's where Bottomer's like, so he told you he did it. He's like, oh yeah, I didn't say that already. Yeah, he he told me he did it, but then like doesn't elaborate on like it, what he told him. He just said, oh yeah, he told me he did it. Yeah, can, can we? Know. Yeah, let's if we could leave a little bit of room. I know we're moving on from that, uh, presumably at least in so, to some degree um, next week. But since the episode just dropped. This morning, for me, I only got an alert that had had dropped mm-hmm. and was in my feed like five minutes before we came on. And I did <clears throat> check Facebook and I saw that in the follow up, a couple of people had seen that it came through, listened to it yeah. and had a couple of questions. So I'm not going to address those today because I'd love for everyone to have had a chance to hear sure. that interview. And so we'll, maybe we can push those to next week. Yeah. And folks, if I'll try to remember to do this on Facebook. But if you are the two people that posted about that this bonus interview, if you wouldn't mind just copying and pasting your questions. So I don't, I don't want to overlook them next week when I'm looking at that follow-up post. Yeah. Good idea. Cause, cause next week's episode is still related to all this. Okay, so, great. uh, Perfect. so th- that'll work good. And I want to, we, we talked about before the show that you didn't uh, have a direct question about that. I wanted to, I want to give a quick brief synopsis of the timeline of how all of this, all of this shook out. So, it, so first of all, you have the anonymous call 2011 in that call. He says that, uh, you know, he overheard Jackie and Lois talking about the raid and they were concerned. He says that he's guessing Christian must have been the one to light the fire. And then Christian joined the middle like that. And then he says, that's all I know. Jump to 2018. I assume we do have questions about how Bodmer found him and all that. Yeah. Bodmer finds him in 2000. They go talk to him, take him uh, down to the station he gives his interview, and then and then the arrest happens. Uh, Robert and Christian were arrested like three weeks after that interview with Wit. That like that was the catalyst. They had nothing for all those years. They finally arrest him in 2014. Dropped the charges. They still didn't have enough. There was nothing there. They find Wit. Wit gives this statement. Three weeks later, they get arrested. They go to trial. So in a pre-trial hearing, so there's there's like days of hearings that are that are that are going on. Three days prior to Witt testifying was supposed to be two days. Uh, three days prior to 
The defense was given a copy of the transcript so they knew at that point what the person was saying, but they still didn't have the name at that point. So they and didn't it's a tra- know. I'm sorry. It's a transcript of what? The transcript of the 2018 interview. Interview. Okay, great. Yeah. So they're like, okay, so now we have a transcript where this guy is saying that he confessed. We don't know who the person is. And then so then that was day. Then the next day, towards the end of the day, the CIA is supposed to come up and testify, but it would have spilled over into the next day. So Aki, the 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 district attorney, uh, or the 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 prosecutor working on the case, said, "No, we'll just wait for t- tomorrow." Which you know there there are obviously people on the defense side are like that was they think it was strategic because they didn't want him to start testifying. They know his identity and then have them have time mm, overnight to right. do more research on him before he comes back. So they wait until the. So then it becomes now three days. So they've they've had the transcript for three days. Wit gets on the stand. Uh, so now they know who he is, and they're able to quickly do. And I, I think the defense actually, or the state at that time, disclosed some of his criminal background, um, and they were able to quickly do some criminal background. You can see that in the cross examination. Understand in California law, like that part. While it seems really shitty. There wasn't really anything bad done here. They're not required to disclose it for pretrial hearings. The state's not required to disclose. They don't have to give a witness list like you do for trial. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's, there was nothing really bad done there. I mean, it was it was clear they waited until the last minute. But the state, the defense during those hearings was making a stink about it with the judge. Like we didn't have time to, you know, how can we properly cross examine him when you know we've only had three days to even work with the transcript. And um, and the judge in the hearing tells them, don't worry, you'll get if, – if this goes to trial, or I think it was already scheduled for trial, you'll get a chance to cross-examine him then. Mm. That's where the issue comes in, is not that they didn't disclose who he was before the pretrial hearing began, but because it was the fact that at trial then they didn't get to cross-examine him, which happened a year and a half later is when – or. I don't remember the date of the pretrial hearing, but a little while later, the trial happens, and then you know they're hoping and expecting to be able to now they've done all this. You can tell, obviously, from the other witnesses we talked about, like Greg Ellis and all those people, that now they've done a ton of background work. They've talked to people who know him. They have his full background uh, history, and now they're ready to cross-examine him, and they're like, oh, he's not here. They're just – you already got to cross-examine him once, and that's what we're going to use. Mm-hmm. So that's kind mm-hmm. of the rundown of how, how all that shook out. And so let's the rest of it. We'll just get right into the questions. Sure, sure. I just want to throw out uh, Valeria mentions in the in the YouTube chat that I think you said the 2018 interview, and maybe you mean 2016. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. 2016 interview. Yep, the trial was in 2018. Okay, cool. Um, so let's. I'm going to just jump right in with uh, some very very key moments that uh Patrice and Rachel and Sarah uh a few different folks pointed out I'm going to go ahead and read Patrice's version but the meat of this idea is the same I think we should get it right out there right away cuz it definitely stands out I may have misunderstood the timeline or the location but was Jeremy Witt saying that Christian confessed to him while they were both working at the water park I thought the day of the murders was Christian's last day working at the water park did investigators ever try to confirm or corroborate Witt's timelines yeah, so remember way back, there were some people that were upset because I said they were suspended and they're like, you're trying to downplay it. They were, they were fired. They weren't fired. They were suspended. What happened was they got like a three-day suspension and they only had two days left of the season that they were working. Mm-hmm. Christian went back the following season. Uh, I see. Okay. 
Yeah. So in 2007, Christian, Robert didn't, but Christian went back and worked at the water park again for the 2007 season. Gotcha. Uh, and then in early 2008 is when then he finally went to boot camp. Got it. Great. Thank you for clarifying that. Mary Ellen had asked about the identity when the defense knew. She did ask that kind of specific question. So I'm glad that we were able to clarify that. Just shout out to you, Mary Ellen. Valeria says, how old was Jeremy Witt compared to Robert Christian and the rest? But 10 years older than him. He was. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Yeah. At the time of the murders, Jeremy was 28, I think. And if you listen to his interview, you hear him talking about how it's really weird because he's he's talking about how, like, I'm 28 years old. I'm not going over to play beer pong or whatever, but then continues to tell stories about how he's hanging out with them uh, after work. But also he's too mature for that. But but I did check birthdays. He was he was 28, I think, 29 in 2007. So he's about 10 years older than everybody else. Wow. Well, and it sounds like all this is, you know, he's already went off to the Marines and came back. So, I mean, he's he's clearly older. Twice. Yeah. So he's yeah. clearly older. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Garrett asks, with a, with respect to this testimony being allowed, I mean, that definitely shocked a lot of people that mm-hmm. you could just read in something without the opportunity to cross-examine. Garrett says, was the issue of what testifying uh, via recording brought up at the direct appeal? What was the ruling on it? Ridiculous. The judge let that in. Now, you just mentioned that they didn't really technically do anything wrong, right? Well, in, for, because of the pretrial, they did bring it up in direct appeal where they said that three days was not enough time to properly prepare for cross-examination. And the, I mean, the judge ruled it was, I'm assuming you have questions about why Jeremy Witt didn't testify. Yes. That's actually the very next question. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, I'll just answer it and then <laughs> say their name. So what, what happened was, so Jeremy had this, this whole thing is, and you'll even see in, in Sunday's episode, like, in my opinion, like Bodmer is a, like the worst person that came into this, like, Everybody dis- – a lot of a lot of people here have disliked LeClaire. I think LeClaire was not good at his job. But it, but at the end of the day, he knew he didn't have a case against these guys. Bodmer comes in with the – and the cold case com- unit comes in and he's like, I'm making a fucking case is the way I read everything he's doing. They're, they're twisting all this stuff up. So the whole thing around Witt to begin with, but then – Witt has new pending charges. He's arrested for the umpteenth time prior to the trial, has pending charges, having nothing to do with this case, and uses that to, to say that he's going he's gonna to plead the fifth, that he's, he's not going to testify because he doesn't want to incriminate himself because of the other charge is the way I understand it. Huh? And they allowed that, okay, well, he doesn't have to testify because his lawyer's advising him. Not to not to speak to because of you know he's pleading the Fifth Amendment, so that was it was like this nonsense. It didn't make any sense. It had nothing to do with this crime. My and I'm not a lawyer, obviously, but to me, like that would like if you could be implicated about something in this crime, you can plead the Fifth. But you coming up to testify about what something somebody said to you about this when you have no connection to it at all, you weren't even in the country when the crime happened. I don't know how that. I, I can't tell you how that was allowed, but that's what happened. Well, but, the, but didn't you, the impeachment witnesses that the defense brought in were talking about uh, incidences with Jeremy Witt that were also unrelated to this particular yeah. crime, right? So maybe it does make sense because if there, if he was going to sit there and be asked about waving a gun round or whatever, I'm I'm absolutely not quoting directly from what people said, but mm-hmm. maybe that maybe there's something to that that if you know you're going to be potentially impeached for these other things. That you've done that are unrelated, like you don't want to have to talk about those. I don't know. I don't know. And in, in my in my opinion, 
it should like the, if that's the case, then his testimony shouldn't have been allowed. It shouldn't have been allowed for a lot of reasons. There's no chance in hell Bodmer thought he was telling the truth. And if you can listen to that interview and come away with it, like, oh, yeah, Bodmer thought he was straight up. He was a straight shooter. Bullshit. He didn't. He knew he was lying the whole time. And so did Aki, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So can I side rail this for a second? Because I have a question that I I really want to ask. And I know I've seen it a couple of times now. Sure. Who is Lois Robbins? Why haven't we heard from her? Why don't we know anything? Why? I mean, this is a brand new name to me. Well, I mean, it was described in, in she she was Jackie's roommate. Why? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm aware of this, but I'm saying why? Why is this brand new? Why haven't we heard from her? Why is this? Why have they not interviewed her? Why do we not know anything about her? If she, if according to Jeremy, knows all this, why are we just now finding out? Uh, well, because they, well, they never interviewed her back then. Mm-hmm. Now, what we're going to get into Sunday is now that Jeremy has brought her into it, we're going to hear from her on Sunday. I've met her and interviewed her personally before. But yeah, that, 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 it, and then you'll hear in that interview, she's like, nobody ever talked to me before. That's crazy to me. Because the night of the murders, Christian, after he dropped Robert off, went home and then went to Jackie's house where mm-hmm. Jackie and Lois lived. And, and see, that's crazy to me because that's the only name that he continues to bring up. He brings up Christian Smith and Lois Robbins. Right. He doesn't know Jackie's last name. He doesn't know who Robert is. So, yeah. I mean, he's literally giving you a name over and over again in the tip, in the inter- or in the police interview. It just baffles me that we haven't heard from her yet, if yeah. that's the case. Yeah. And I think it's because they were both um, like he was, I guess, supervisor of security or something like that. Uh, and I think she was also a supervisor, like in a manager. So like, I think I think he's the only one that she actually knew at the park who happened to be roommate with roommates with Jackie. And then Christian had moved in with Jackie and Lois uh, by the time this all occurred. OK. More from her coming. OK, great. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. I want to jump over to Amy. Uh, This was a late question, so I texted it to myself, but these are both great. Uh, Amy says, if Jeremy asked to remain anonymous, then how is it that this is the question that you asked earlier? Uh, If Jeremy asked to remain anonymous, then how is it that the detectives are allowed to find him, much less able to find him? I thought the whole point of that is that those who give tips don't have to worry about giving their info and being found out. And do we know how in the world the detectives did figure it out? Well, I don't know as far as like if you give an anonymous tip that they're I don't know that they're not allowed to try to figure out who you are. This is what I know. 
in March, I think, I think it was March 22nd, Jeremy was was arrested for brandishing a weapon, uh, a, a gun in La Quinta, which is still part of Riverside. Uh, I think a few days before that, he was arrested for something in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, too. And then shortly before when we hear that interview, he finally gets bailed out. And he, and, and he goes, so he'd been he'd been sitting in jail for for a while. He gets bailed out, and then after he gets bailed out, all of a sudden Bodmer shows up at his house with uh, Detective Dickey. Actually, there was several officers plus those two, but those are the two that actually talked to him. They go to his house and they confirm with him. They were going to talk more about that on, on in Sunday's episode, but uh, they go in. They go into his apartment. They talk to him. Conveniently, didn't record the conversation. Neither of them for 10 or 15 minutes. Then they come out and they go down to the police station uh, and confirm that not only was him on the call, but when I said that that was everything I knew, there was one little detail I went out. Christian looked me in the eye and, or, you know, Christian stood right next to me and confessed directly to me. Interestingly, they had nothing to work with before. Like, like what he said in the anonymous call is hearsay. It wouldn't have been like, you can't go on and testify. I overheard her talking to her about something that he said, like, it's like triple hearsay. Well, I had a real high, like hard eye roll through all that too. I mean, you listen to him talk about it and he's like, he didn't say it, but I could read his body language and read between the lines. And I'm really good at reading yeah. body language. Like that, I hard eye roll. About yeah. ran off the road. Yeah. There's a lot of those in the, in the interview. Now, granted, I don't think it was difficult to figure out who he was. And, and you'll even hear, I think I'll, I'll say it now because I don't mention it in, in Lois's interview. In her interview, you hear them, they're showing pictures. I think they already had an idea because they, they're, they're showing her. They don't say it, but that's what's happening is they're showing her pictures of the different people that worked at the water park at that time. Mm. And they're like, oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's Robert. Yep, that's Jackie. And then they mm. show her a few more and she's like, I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I think Jeremy was one of those mm. pictures. So I think they knew who worked there. And he had told them that he was a Marine. He told them yeah. he worked there about that time. So I think they kind of had an idea and I've heard, you know, it's, it's just theories and stuff. But so who, who knows the fact that he was in the Riverside County jail, then comes out and all of a sudden they show up by the way, the charge, uh, he was charged with brandish. It was, it was displaying or whatever. It, basically he was, he was waving a gun at somebody after this interview that char- those charges were reduced to, I can't remember what the charge, but it was reduced to something else. And then he pled not guilty and the prosecution dismissed it. So again, take that for what you will. But the charge, the pending charges he had at the time that Bodmer showed up at his house were dismissed after his interview. Hmm. Well, I just want to shout out Aaliyah, who sees and felt and feels some similarities. I know we've brought up Anand's case before. I know we've brought up Jay Wilde's case or his involvement in that case before. I, too, felt those vibes a lot. Like if if Jeremy head pointed at a motorcycle he was interested in on their way to pick him up a beer. Uh, that really would have made it too eerie of a coincidence for words. But mm-hmm. uh, Aaliyah says, not a question, but I just have to point out the ridiculous of, ridiculousness of two statements made, made by Wit. Quote, I'd beat his ass in the Marine Corps, followed by, I didn't come forward earlier because I was scared for my safety. We might as well call this guy Jay Wild. Just the idea of sort of the conflicting behaviors around whether he was afraid of him, whether he thought he was a punk, whether he, you know, respected him, whether he had zero respect for him and the sort of changing stories 
And then also, you know, this question of the mystery of potential compensation, whether or not any of that is valid or speaks to the facts of whether Christian confessed or not. It's very fair, I think, for Aaliyah and for many of us to go, God, this feels familiar. Well, yeah, we, I mean, and being on unta- and then being untouched by the cops after that, if that's indeed t- true, this idea of like, oh, suddenly, no matter what he does, he just never gets in trouble anymore. Yeah. It's like when he's directly caught on surveillance, like I've interviewed Greg Ellis, the guy, the one, you know, personally interviewed him, the one that we, we heard his, his testimony. And if you look on the website, there's, he, he gave a whole bunch of testimony outside of the jury. And then the judge limited what he was allowed to say in front of the jury. So on the website, there's Greg Ellis, no jury, Greg Ellis, jury. So you get the full story in the Greg Ellis, no jury. But I mean, they have surveillance footage, cameras, pictures. Like Greg was telling me how frustrated he's he's like, the police, we would call the police because he was doing this stuff. And we would show them like, here's a video of him that I took with my phone doing it. Here's pictures of him. Here's this. And just nothing, nothing would ever happen to him afterwards. But as far as the contradictions, if you track his like, there's so many little contradictions in there. It's it's re- everything from he wanted to join the army, and I'm telling him you should be a marine. And then later it's like, well, he, you know, he was in the army, and I was glad he was in the army instead of the marines because he's an embarrassment because he confessed. I'm like, but you didn't. The last time you talked, he didn't confess, and you wish that he you thought he should be a marine instead of it. You know, there's little stuff like that all throughout his. I tried. I tried very hard to take him as credible <laughs> listening to this interview. Um, I went into it with this is a credible witness. I, I tried to listen to it that he's completely credible with no mm-hmm. bias. And I, and it, it was hard to there was some contradictions right off the get go when he starts talking about it that he he's like, I remember everything. I remember what he was wearing. He was wearing these aviator sunglasses. And I, I and he goes through this whole spiel. And then he's like, but I don't remember what he said to me. But he goes through this whole thing about yeah. like, I remember everything. I absolutely remember everything. He was doing this. But then he, I can't he just they did it. And that was like it. Right. You know, I mean, there's no like, I don't. He literally says, I don't remember what he said, but he told me he did it. Yeah. Right. As I said in the episode, I mean, we're we're, we're breaking it down, discussing it all here. But like, I had planned to go through all these and play audio, do do clips and do all the. And as I'm going, I'm like, this is nonsense. Like, I can't even spend the energy. Like, if you can't hear this and figure out what nonsense it is, then you're you're probably never going to anyway. Uh, But there's so that's why. You know, the episode was what it was, and then I put up 18 documents for on the – like, if you want to read all of it, it's up there, but right. it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, just to stay on the kind of Jeremy as the anonymous caller, uh, Caroline and Nikki just wanted to, cl- to confirm. So there, there is officially no documentation that, like, confirms – or is there that Jeremy was in fact that informant? Like, is there is, – is it documented or is it just like suddenly Bodmer knew and that's – after well, Wit confirms it. So uh, you'll hear that if you listen to the bonus in the beginning of the interview. And and when I first heard it, I was like, how do we know this is even him? He could just say, I- I'm sure it's him. The right. de- Because of the de- – because people have said like the voice doesn't sound the same and this and that. And it may be the case, but listen to the details. He's talking about he's a Marine. He worked security. You know, like, like what are the odds it was someone else who worked at the park who was in the Marine? You know what I mean? So it was him. He can. So in the interview, and if you listen to the bonus, you know, like I started, first of all, one of the detectives does that thing that a lot of the detectives in this case like to do, which is, I think, rub the microphone against the stubble on their face for five minutes yeah. when the, <laughs> the interview started. Yeah, there's a bunch of like completely <laughs> unaware of the fact that the, they need yeah. that to get the recording. Yeah. Um, so that's going on at the beginning. And then they're just playing, they, they play to him the anonymous phone call. 
for him to confirm if that was him or not. And so when I, where I start that episode, because I cut all that stuff out because it's really hard to listen to. Plus, you already heard some of it. Mm-hmm. They shut it off. And then Wit says, yep, that's me. That's me. So that's the only documentation we have is him saying that it's him. But okay. uh, for the record, in my opinion, it's definitely him. Yeah. So let's talk for a second about this idea of the compensation. Um, Valeria points out, you know, he when he made that initial call, it was anonymous. So he could he have been after the reward money if he didn't identify himself? I saw something uh, similar in some uh, that someone said a while ago in the chat. Uh, but I do want to just tag on before you respond that Sarah in listening kind of got the impression at the end. Sarah says, Wit seems like he's kind of dancing around a question before saying maybe he will check back in a few weeks to see if it helped. Why? Sarah says, that seemed to me like he may have been trying to, in fact, get the reward money while still staying anonymous in, uh, initially. What do you think about that, guys? Well, I think that in the for the anonymous call, it, and I got the, the same, he does say that, you know, maybe I'll call back, I'll check back with you guys in a couple weeks. Keep in mind, when you look through his criminal, like he had pending charges then too. Like he's, this guy has a long rap sheet. He's always in trouble. I don't know what prompted, you know, the, the reward from the governor for 50000 came in, I think, 2009. And then there was a private reward where the billboards and all that was were put up for another fifty thousand. I'm not positive when that happened. I think it was around this time because it was around 2011. I think when uh, Ron Friedley had hired Luis Bolaños and they had put up the billboard and they were like, they were like in the press in this campaign, like this needs, case needs to be solved. The thing is, he didn't give them any real information that they could use. Like, like to me, the the anonymous phone call sounded very much like. Bo Nash's interview. We're like genuinely like Bo was like genuinely like, hey, like after this, all of a sudden, suddenly Javier wrecks his car and then Javier like like he's drinking so much nobody can talk to him. And then he takes off and he moves to Sacramento like this stuff's just but like like I think Bo genuinely was like, you guys probably need to know this stuff. Right. Really, it's not anything that's useful. That's what I got out of this. It's weird that all of a sudden it was prompted years after the fact. Where he's just like, oh, I just thought all of a sudden to call you because I saw it on the news. Well, the, the new what was playing on the news then was about this reward too. But like you said, he stays anonymous. But then he says maybe he'll call back. I'm curious if he maybe they did call back or if he just knew that what he had was was useless. But I sure would love to know what was said inside of his apartment in those 10, 15 minutes before the 2016 interview when all of a sudden he's like, yeah, that's me. And and you know what? It's I, I don't have hearsay anymore. He confessed directly to me. And, and we see this with how many cases. There's a huge, so there's a total of $100,000 of reward money. Yeah. We don't know. We don't know if it was paid out, who it was paid out to. They got a conviction, so it should have been p- paid out to someone. Right. Logic would tell you they didn't have a case against these guys that would stick until three days after Witt gives this uh, interview in 2016. That's when they finally get arrested again. So I don't know. I don't I don't know what happened to it. It sure seemed and I, I will say this to be fair, uh when I've interviewed uh uh people that knew Wit, like not personally, but knew that 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 like lived in the same area as him, and I asked him, did he ever seem like he came into a bunch of money? Nobody said everybody well, it was only two people, but they they said I never noticed anything. Like I didn't notice him driving a fancy new car or anything like that. Right. Well, that's that's something that that Amy brought up as well in her kind of little group of questions was this idea of it 
potentially being problematic, and I think maybe we've talked about this before or it was brought up on Undisclosed with respect to Jay, is that the sort of intention of something like Crime Stoppers and the anonymity of it and knowing that that could be very helpful because someone who is afraid to come forward could could maintain that anonymity, but that it's also complicated and potentially uh, difficult, if not very damaging, for a mm-hmm. reward to be paid out and for the defense not to have access to that information to explore what a motivation might be right. and whether or not there could be connections there. And that's something that not only came up for for Amy, but also for Sarah and Jeremy. Shout out to Jeremy W., who was asking questions about Jeremy Witt. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this could get confusing on the follow-up. Jeremy W., uh, Kathy and Leanne asking that question. Any evidence at all? We know, obviously, that there isn't any evidence of them getting specifically getting that leniency, specifically getting that reward money as connects back in documentation saying, yes, we were lenient on Jeremy Witt because of this um, with this other charge or whatever. Um, Would that be so that so that doesn't fall into Brady, right? I mean, it just that is that's not really a Brady violation. If it's if it's an anonymous tip and gets paid out, where does that fall in? You know, we we should have had access to this to this information so that we could have explored more who who did it and who got the money and why that's a good question it would be a good it would be a question to be better answered by an attorney because i don't know because i think because i think that was one of the things in under with the undisclosed team they were working on with jay wilds getting paid because he was directly asked on the stand were you compensated for this right wit was never asked that on the stand because he didn't get on because he couldn't be asked right yeah but it seems like that's something that should be disclosed you know because that's the problem right with the with these anonymous tips is what you want – so like the, the the Crime Stoppers programs and stuff, they're useful, right? So what you want is somebody who's like, hey, I'm I'm calling in. I know for a fact this guy did it and he said he threw the, you know, the murder weapon at this location. And then the police go get the murder and they have the evidence to go to trial without putting that person on the stand. Like they give them a tip that will lead them to get their own evidence. Mm-hmm. In this case, it, where it gets becomes problematic when it's shit like this, which is – yeah, he confessed to me. Well, now it's a problem because you're you're supposed to remain anonymous, but I can't just say someone said that. I've got to put you've got to testify to that if that's what happened, and then the jury has to weigh the credibility out. Because this also, like from what I was told, I'd never seen a video or anything that they put like this very professional. The person that read in the testimony, I was told by people that were there who admittedly are on the defense side, so that you know there's probably some bias there. Mm-hmm. They're like the person reading in the testimony gave credibility to the testimony. Wow. Because of because of Jer- instead of having Jeremy Witt sitting up there saying this stuff, there's someone in a suit and tie sitting there very articulately reading mm. uh, out of the testimony and even though it's not supposed to matter in human it's human nature, of it does it matter. That's yeah. the informa- that information is coming from this 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 man in this suit, this very professional articulate man in the suit. I believe him. When yeah. really, the, it wasn't him who said it at all. It was Jeremy Witt who said it. Yeah. And has a whole different tone. That's fascinating. The whole Jeremy Witt thing is a fascinating aspect of this case from a legal perspective that I almost wish we could have an attorney come in and just sort of talk about because there's so many pieces of this that just kind of, you know, whether they're permissible or not, they're it's just fascinating. Like, I've never yeah. heard of that before, this idea of somebody just being able to read, to play the character of mm-hmm. the credible Jeremy Witt. It's, it's so interesting. And uh, technically, we said that they couldn't ask about getting 
any kind of compensation. But that is something that the defense could have asked at the pretrial. Right. But it's not in the transcript. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. They, they during should, pretrial, they, they could have, maybe they could should have, have asked, asked that. that. Yeah. But I would assume that if that was the case, that they it would have been paid at that point. You know, if it was like you get this money upon a conviction or whatever or hmm. indictment, you know, that, you know, that maybe I don't know. I don't know where that falls into mm-hmm. into the whole um, chrono- chronology of everything. Yeah, because it seemed I, I thought that some Crime Stoppers tips paid if an arrest was made, not a conviction. But if it leads, I feel like I've heard the language, you know, an if this information helpful. Exactly. If, if helpful information leads to an arrest, then that's considered meaningful enough. That you mm-hmm. could get paid, so I've definitely, I, I, I don't, I don't know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm tiptoeing into territory that I don't really understand, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't give too many opinions, but, but I definitely know, I've seen in other cases where that carrot was held out to them, like you don't get paid until you testify and we get a conviction or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't have any idea if that's how that would have worked in this. I believe it was for an indictment, like if they got an indictment that it would pay at least the, at least the, um government money now the private money they could have said 50 and, and i don't i i'll have to look it up but um it could have been fifty thousand dollars upon a conviction you know because they're not bound by whatever the state mm-hmm. law is in that in that regard got it i just want to shout out uh dom in the chat who says uh very understandably dom says i'm confused as to why wit's character or behavior is coming into play when robert and i'm assuming you mean and uh dom robert and christians didn't seem to matter why his character his character comes into play? Mm-hmm. Robert and Christian's character doesn't come into play either when it comes to the evidence. But Dom is saying why we we seem to be saying that his character and behavior regarding Jeremy matter in this in this circumstance. Why aren't we having putting that same emphasis on Robert and Christian's quote unquote character? Well, with all due respect, you're not listening. Not you. With Robert and Christian, I'm like it doesn't matter what type of person they are if the tangible evidence. The state's expert compared to the drive time, compared to the cell phone sector data shows they couldn't have been there, then it doesn't matter who they were. And when it comes to credibility, I'm not saying I trust them and I don't care what their character says. What I've said is that Robert said what they were doing that night. Years later, we get their cell phone sector data and it confirms everything he said. It has nothing to do with his character. In Jeremy Witt's case, is he a shitty guy? Yeah, but that has, to me, in my opinion, has nothing to do with why I don't believe him. Lots of shitty guys can tell the truth. I don't believe him because he called and said all he knows is that he heard overheard a conversation, and then years later, while he has pending charges, he says, oh, also, he confessed to me in this nonsense story. And then his charges are dismissed. That has nothing to do with his character. That's not what this is about. Everything we're looking at is, is what does what people say and do in regards to the case compare to the actual evidence that we have in the case. Right. So Jeremy Witt's character doesn't matter either. What matters is that the, what we see as far as actual tangible things that happened he said he doesn't know anymore. He gets talked to for fi- – if anybody's character is getting called into question here by me, it's Bodmer's, not Jeremy Witt's. I could mm. give a shit about G- Jeremy Witt's character. When the department has a policy that you use a belt recorder every single time you interview somebody, and that's why we have all this shitty interview, uh, shitty audio 
of all these interviews every single time. And then suddenly this star witness comes out of fucking nowhere and you walk in and talk to him for 15 minutes with two officers wearing belt recorders when it's their policy to turn those recorders on every time they interview somebody. And then they come out and go, oops, I guess we forgot to turn them on that time. That's whose character I'm calling into question. And that's and that matters. Understood. I, I agreed. I think I think I'm still interested and I have not read the transcripts, but I am interested in what the judge allowed with respect to the impeachment witnesses, because the way you talk about it in the episode, it kind of does sound like the judge is like maybe throwing the defense a bone by letting some of that stuff in because they can't cross-examine him because the way you described it it did kind of sound like it was character assassination less to do that's why i was saying maybe it did make sense for him to plead the fifth and not testify although those two things kind of cancel each other out in a way because anyway yeah um but yeah so i just i I agree that like whether or not he was showed someone a gun has very little to do with whether he heard christian confess to something so i was curious about that too yeah and keeping and these are two different things also what is allowed for the jury to hear to, to to for that because the jury's job is to assess his credibility that's their job my job and our job is to look at the evidence of the case and determine what actually happened here so that so yet was the jury using that to determine his credibility that was the idea certainly by the defense but that's has nothing to do with us deciding if he's telling the truth or lying based on character that has nothing to do with it Gotcha. Yeah, I I keep every time you talk about them going in and not recording. I don't know if maybe you said this and I was reading someone I was reading feedback, but it, it it's it's unfortunately too hard to imagine utter speculation on my, my part. But it's so easy to imagine them being like, well, I got to tell you, buddy, this isn't really going to help. I mean, if he had confessed to you, for example, that would be a different, you know, and then he's like, what if I told you he did confess to me? Like, that's the kind of conversation you would never want anyone to hear because that just sounds like you're leading a witness. It just sounds like you're like, I mean, right. if you could say, even if that's not what Bodner meant, you know, you could see. Other hypothetical ex- examples are, and there's a $100,000 reward <sighs> for any information. Don't that you- even go there. It's so troubling. And the reason we are having these hypothetical conversations because they didn't record the conversation. Record it. Right. Also, I got really fired up there and just blew about five minutes of Sunday's episode <laughs> <laughs> where I broke all, break all that down. So you can <laughs> right. hear me in a much more calm manner explaining that on, on Sunday. <laughs> Sorry. Great, great, great. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. 
amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Sarah says, again, just going back to lots of questions that we've kind of already addressed about the leniency shown to it, whether or not it directly can be tied to this testimony or not uh, after his participation in some form in the prosecution. Uh, but Sarah also asked, what do you know about Witt's military record? Did any of Witt's antisocial activities happen while he was still in the Marines, or does it seem like it occurred after he was discharged? I don't know. There's there's some documents that I didn't post because it kind of goes back to that. It's none of our business stuff, but he had some issues in the military too. He was, somebody had said something about him being dishonorably discharged. I was not, from what, I, from what I've seen, he was honorably discharged twice from the, so he was in, left and then I think he went back as a reserve and was in he did he did have some there are some incidents that are noted with him similar type behavior what we see after he's out when he was in there he also was not he was not in combat he was like a vehicle operator or something when he was when he was in gotcha uh Sarah and uh I think I'm gonna say Chinzia but it might be Cinzia it's a beautiful name and I don't want to butcher it, but and um, Lana or Lana, uh, all kind of bringing back up this idea of alternate suspects um, and still struggling to understand. And I, I go there, too, um, since it is kind of judge by judge, state by state, who decides when that's appropriate and when and not. They're still just kind of struggling with the idea that that you have the authority to do this, make this call and how it doesn't violate the constitutional rights of the defense uh, the defendant to a defense. And part of that is because we do have so many international listeners. And I saw this in the mm -hmm. chat as well. Folks who are trying to wrap their minds around uh, some of the legalities and Montana pointed out, you know, the fact that it varies from state to state can make it even more confusing. It's tough. It's like, again, I want you want to sort of have Colin Miller just come in and give a guest episode on breaking all of that down as if you can even do it in one episode. Yeah. It, it, and from what I've heard, even in California, it's not uncommon to not allow alternate suspects to be presented in the, to me in this case it's see and this is again my non my my non lawyer opinion like it seems very unfair in this case i think i mentioned it was this episode or the one before like for example jacob right so the state makes this big deal about their phones being off as of you know as indicating they were at the crime scene at the time of the murders they weren't allowed to say put jacob on the stand and point out that his phone or or even even have one of the officers or one of the cell phone experts break down his and say the boyfriend she just broke up with his cell phone was out of service too and even if the intent wasn't to say so he did it to me what I would want to use as a strategy for is say like you're making this sound like it's the biggest deal in the world that somebody's phone was off well so like there's literally the other closest person to this case right his phone was also off. Like for them not to be able to present, it's it's so difficult, and and it's just one of the things that I think is kind of broken with our system. Like somebody had said, like in Facebook, like yeah, but you can't just go up and start making wild accusations against other people. No, you can't do that. But you can't do that in court anyway. But yeah, I think you should be able to put somebody on the stand and say, 
you know, mentioned that somebody saw a red truck. This person has a red truck. They're like to show them because this case was so circumstantial. I think that's where my issue is. Mm-hmm. It's such a ridiculous circumstantial case. And then you're not allowed to let the jury even know what other circumstantial evidence there was that could point in a different direction. And then the jury will be, you know, what you always hear is, well, if not them, then who? And whether they say it out loud or not, I think the jury walks away from that. Like they want the story. They want a story that makes yeah. sense. That's not everything this story. I heard was indicating that these two were involved. And it's not much, but I didn't hear anything that suggests somebody else was involved. And they don't know that they weren't allowed to hear anything else indicating someone else might have been involved. Right. Because I think that would have that would have that would have been reasonable doubt. Again, ten days of deliberations already. Right. Like. If you don't think that would have been enough reasonable doubt to 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 say to stop this conviction, if they knew any little thing that yeah, there are indications that someone else might have been involved. Not that someone else did it, not accusing anyone else, but oh but but yeah, like oh her wait, her boyfriend's phone was also out of service at that time, her ex boyfriend, mm-hmm. you know, the other ex. You know, that could have been enough and they weren't allowed to do it. And I don't understand why because i didn't go to law school well i was gonna say and it may not it may not be even like you have to go to law school but because each state has a supreme court like that legal precedent gets set maybe it was set accidentally for a really good reason in a case where someone was wildly accusing people damaging people's reputations putting it out there into the world on public record that this person could have done it or this person could have done it and there wasn't enough evidence and that severely could have damaged someone's reputation we don't want like you said California hates frivolous lawsuits, etc. So if there's a situation in which it really made good common sense to protect other people from being thrown under the bus for no reason, suddenly you have a legal precedent that's set that becomes much more rigid in situations where judges go, well, I need to look at, look, this president, this president has been set. And when there are viable alternate suspects, that could end up getting used against Cases in which it makes much more sense to be able to give alternate suspects, right? Yeah, but it, it definitely was still up in the air because there was arguments, like there were arguments before the judge about this. This defense was fight, so it wasn't like this is a hard and fast rule. Well, no, like but were, that's not really how I'm not. That's not always how precedent works. People right. argue. We've heard cases where someone appeals something, and both people are arguing the same case, saying this is the legal precedent that supports their argument. So it's right. it's a little more uh, subjective. Then maybe I made it sound. Anyway, it doesn't matter. That's a total tangent. I, well, quick, I'm a total on, law wonk, so I would <laughs> love to talk about that more. Well, on that, it's, it's relevant to this is I spoke with one of the attorneys that that tried the case for the defense. And he told me and, and, and on the record on an interview when I said, is there anything you would have done different? And he said, "I this thing, because apparently I don't remember what it is, but there is a process where – they can they can appeal they can hold basically hold up the trial and appeal that decision I think it might have been federally I don't remember the details about it but he said I shouldn't have accepted it I sh- I should have appealed that up to another court mm. the decision to not allow alternate alternate suspects to be to be mentioned so just for your information like one of the defense attorneys that 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 is a failure that he he noted that he thought he made was was even though he fought hard for it when the judge made the decision they just said okay and just went on with the trial and he wishes that he hadn't gotcha i just want to throw out sarah uh i haven't been giving last names because i 
feel like I want to respect your privacy in case you don't want them listed. But we have a lot of Sarahs. So, in fact, we have two different Sarah Gs. But uh, one of the Sarah Gs said, why would someone manufacturing a confession reference the secondary crime, the arson, instead of the primary crimes, the murders? I thought that was an interesting question. We're still talking about sort of what the motivation would be for any of this. Um, I have no idea. It's, it's, you know, he's based on, you know, what he saw. And he says his information about the crime comes from news reports. So maybe that's just all he remembered. Right. And Montana, I see you uh, defending Jeremy in maybe defending isn't the right word, but I see you using very uh, sound logic in the chat to say, look, if Jeremy called, did not identify himself and gave the information he had and then was shocked when the police found him years later, then Perhaps his motivation, like you said, Bob, was not about the reward at all. He genuinely thought he was being helpful. He had a a memory of the folks in that house freaking out about the fact that their uh, place was raided, as he put it, and that, you know, it was such a vague memory anyway that to me it seems entirely plausible that you could imagine Lois and Jackie being like, that was so intense. And now they're looking for Robert. Like, why are they like? This is awful. It's very scary when someone comes in and interrupts your space and like goes through all of your stuff or whatever that yeah. you you can have a conversation about something being traumatic and not have it mean that you all have guilty knowledge that this crime took place. And and, and, I, and I should point out, I think he was telling the truth. Yeah. Great. In that first phone call, personally. Yes. I apt like that totally sounds like something that would happen. Yeah. You'll hear in Lois's interview this uh, on, on Sunday. Even the the turns of phrases he uses, like rated instead of a warrant, like mm-hmm. I'm sure he heard that conversation. Yes, and it maybe and it, it, it doesn't matter if, if if his motivation was wanting to get it because yeah he did say maybe he'll call back and check if the reward wasn't paid till somebody was arrested and no one got arrested why would he think he would be you know what I mean like he could have yeah. called it and then enough arrest was made he might have called and said hey that you know who knows but I don't there's anything wrong with that either if he had legitimate information I think he shared. At least to an extent, something that he really overheard. Right. And if if the motivation was maybe this will lead to an arrest and I'll get some reward money, that's what it's for. Right. My problem is when five years later, the story, comp- you know, suddenly there's this 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 unrecorded secret private meeting with the detectives and he comes out with this whole ridiculous new story. That's where my problem is. Right. That's actually the end of for the most part, that's the end of the questions. Joshua and Jennifer, both on Facebook, were sort of talking about this idea of like what we've sort of already covered. I'll read Joshua's, but I think we've sort of covered it. But do you find it weird that Witt said, Christian said, quote, things went bad and we had to torch the place when that's what the state's theory of what happened was? If I remember that correctly, the profile you and Jim came up with was pointed more towards premeditation. Was it public knowledge that the police thought a hike happened and things got out of hand? Or is it possible the investigators let it be known that that was a theory? If not, why do you think what would phrase that? Christian allegedly said it in that way. And then Jennifer said, if I may add to your question, Witt quotes Christian saying that in his 2016 interview with the police, not 2011, how much were media reporting on Robert and Christian's intended hike with Becky up the mountain? Uh, I don't know how much they were probably in the in the arrest in 2014. They probably did some reporting, but as far as like the state's theory about something went wrong, you've got it backwards. Again, since we always talk about Adnan's case, the same thing. People look, people look at the state tried to present Jay's version of events as his version of events corroborated the cell phone evidence. When re, in reality, 
when you follow when you track his different interviews and when the police got different information and when they got towers in the wrong location and then fixed it in reality they matched his interview to the phone evidence in this case it's not that well the police thought something you know something went wrong and they burned the place down and then Jeremy Witt said the same thing it's the other way around Jeremy Witt said that and since that was literally the only real evidence they had to go at trial that became their narrative it had to be their narrative in order for his for his statement to make it to matter. Got it. Sorry, I got really sucked into the chat because there's a lot of really interesting stuff happening, including High Watch, who says the third party law was a result of the OJ case. I've always said these guys are doing OJ's time. That could be the case. That's a fascinating statement. It's really, really interesting. Great. Let's uh, sideline about that. We'll start our own podcast where <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we talk right. about that. And then everybody else, uh, what I have left is just Jess and Angela and Sarah and Lana, Sash Lana, sorry, Lana, asking about Lois. And we know now that we will be hearing more from Lois next week. Yep. And this uh, this week, there's going to be, uh, I'm going to be on a site. You're not, we're not going to miss any episodes, but uh, it's spring break here. So I'm going to be taking off shortly after this episode. So I've already done this week's episode with Lois. So there's some some commentary for me why I break some things down. And then it's just going to be Lois's interview. So some of you guys I know. Don't particularly the, the audio is pretty good on this. At least you can listen to it. I think it's worthwhile hear, hearing her talk, but she's the next logical step in this. Uh, so that's what you're going to hear on Sunday. And then we'll talk more about it in the Friday follow-up. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you in the YouTube chat. And thanks, everybody, that uh, sent in questions. We appreciate you guys. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye, guys. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com Our follow-up logo was created by me and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website. TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnik, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. To financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. 
For all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at BobRuffTruth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney, and Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. might have been a little aggressive but it's there it's there kelly you have to figure that out on your own also thank you for making me sound great every week i appreciate it i was all by myself again i got my hat today so yeah we can see my bald head on patreon almost bald head on patreon it's actually not bald it's clear i have clear hair just so everybody's aware i was just informing everybody bob that i'm not balding i have clear hair clear it's very it's clear looks very nice janet your hair looks different from last week much lighter colored i think i think he's trying to make from, well last week i was week. gone different woman where were we <sighs> <laughs> thoroughly disappointed okay we're good at this guys you see this we should have stopped doing we shouldn't be doing this on youtube live because you're gonna teach a class about this um fuck now you guys see that when you hear the cleaned up audio, that this is what really goes on. <clears throat> Here we go. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.